Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. We're back after a mediocre week. I'm going to start with what I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a Bud Light because we are in the we are we are in the light portion of the schedule. This is the lightest touch that we're going to have between the three big five games that we just played and Syracuse on Tuesday. This part of the schedule sucks compared to everything else. So that is the reason for my drink. Also, it's 9.53 in the morning on Sunday, and I couldn't justify anything else that wasn't a Bloody Mary or a mimosa, and I don't have the ingredients for either of those things. So Bud Light it is. Yeah, real talk. Good for you that you actually grabbed some alcoholic beverage. I couldn't do it. I was rolling out of bed. I'm still... Rob's like groggy. He's face. like literally, I'm for just, those not watching, he's rubbing his eyes. It's like, yeah, there's like shit in my eye. It's like an absolute mess. So I've got the coffee in front of me. I feel bad. I feel like this is the first podcast in a very long time. I haven't af- actually had some alcohol and I'm, I'm letting our fans down, but, and I'm letting our sponsors down. That's, that's what's really happening here. Yeah. You know, Woodford Reserve, they're probably going to reach out, tell us we dropped the ball. Maybe um, Lagavulin. and it's, I don't know. We're going to lose some money for this one, but this is uh, the price we pay for nine o'clock in the morning. But anyway, in the morning. For, me, let's go. for me, it's like I'm seven hours into my day. I woke up at 2.45 right. to take care of my child. So I've just been up. It's no big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. All right. Let's, um, let's talk about this unexciting week, shall we? Yeah. So we played three games. Two at the Palestra, back-to-back, which is the first time I can remember um, doing that, not in like a turkey tournament situation. Um, so we played two games back-to-back at uh, versus LaSalle at Penn, and then and then obviously we had St. Joe's yesterday at the Pavilion. The headline here is we did pretty much exactly what you'd expect us to do. We blew everybody out. Penn was a little bit of a pedestrian effort. But all in, there was never a point in that game that I ever thought, oh, this is in doubt. We might lose this game. No, I never had that thought ever in my mind. It was clear that we were in control. I think we took the foot off the pedal. We then applied the foot to the pedal against St. Joe's and really thrashed them yeah. in the second half uh, of yesterday's game. So the headline of this, of this week is that we did exactly what we should do. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot. We try to do like takeaways. There's not a lot to take away from this week. Teams aren't very good. We did what we had to do. Okay. You move on and you play some more exciting games this week, which is cool. The two couple things that I think we should talk about are one, the reintroduction of uncle Da and uncle Da's kitchen coming back as well as Novid 21, the virus that is running roughshod through the Villanova program. Nova um, 21. We can't take credit for that. Our producer, yes. Brian, who's not on right now, our producer, Brian came up with that and it's absolutely terrific name. So the non COVID virus that is shredding through the team as we speak is per the full 40 called Novid 21. 
Yes, we're we're copyrighting it here, similarly to how we had copyright copyrighted the Baywatch, which was subsequently stolen, and the Heart Monitor, which hasn't been stolen quite yet. But anyway, on Novid Twenty One, the word on the street is that Novid Twenty One is just a virus that Jay makes up so he can continue to shorten his bench and only play who he wants conveniently. So I'm just put, I'm just putting that out there. Like you can, related you can do that is the you reintroduction of Demir Cosby Roundtree. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we expanded the bench for a senior, for a fifth-year senior who hasn't yeah. played in two years. No, look, we we love we love Dada on this podcast. Obviously, um, he doesn't bring a lot of dynamism to the offense. Call it what it is, um, and he's not one of the young freshmen that we were looking to introduce to the lineup. But it is, I guess, another body. So there's some extra minutes and some extra fouls to uh, uh, to put on the court. Let's put it this way. Jay trusts him to a degree. Yes. And absolutely. so that does give Dixon a little bit of a breather, Yeah, which is which is good. That being said, I'm not sure if you're going to see a Demir Cosby roundtree at the five, uh, Eric Dixon at the four lineup anytime soon. <laughs> no. So, so it, be... won't, it won't spell the wings. But I will say that the, the one thing I picked up this week was that Patterson, Trey Patterson seems to be, and this could have just been a deal with the illness. He does seem to be the freshman who is first in line at this moment in time. Yeah. So he was the first one off the bench. Now, my understanding is that Longino was, I mean, Longino wasn't even dra- uh, dressed yesterday. Um, so he was out with the, with the, with Nova 21. And um, as was, um, Oh, was it Longino? No, oh, no. Was, Longino uh, played yesterday. Longino was, was earlier in the couple week. Couple games ago, yeah, yeah. Longino was earlier in the week. Uh, yesterday versus St. Joe's, it was Caleb Daniels. So yes, that's correct. That's right. Yeah. So uh, one thing I want to talk about just real quick on this is that we actually were on the Hawk Talk, the St. Joe's uh, official podcast, if you will, uh, a couple days a couple days ago, previewing the the game, and they said. Is the big five magic gone? This, that, and the other thing. The answer was, yeah, it is. But I also am of the opinion that, like, every program right now is in transition. Temple's in transition. St. Joe's is in transition. LaSalle's in transition. Penn is, you know, a little bit of a different animal just because of the Ivy League situation. So it's an unprecedented time for the big five in that in that Villanova's literally living in the golden age uh, of, of its basketball program. And the other programs are in transition from longtime coaches who had built a nice, who had each built a nice program for themselves at their respective schools. So it's kind of a weird situation, but I don't expect the dominance of the big five to slow down anytime soon. Yeah, definitely not. Um, Cool. We we've liked to introduce this idea of the narrative. I want to hit on the narrative real quick. The narrative is the rotation watch this year. We were, we were touching on this just a minute ago. I think my takeaway from this week is, hey, maybe Jay's going to start to introduce some of these freshmen. I think the next couple of games we'll start to see if if the trend continues and if Patterson and Longino can start to carve out a role. I think the first few games of the Big East are going to give us some indication of that. So that's the one thing to, to kind of keep an eye on. But at least they've been uh, they've been released from the bench. So that's a, a net positive in my mind. Syracuse is an interesting yeah, game. Yeah, Syracuse here. is an anomaly, I think. Syracuse is an interesting game because Syracuse isn't good, and we'll get into this. Um, so in theory, Syracuse could be an opportunity for these guys to play. But 
They play a zone, yeah, which is very weird. odd to play against. So I'm not sure how much value you exact from that. And then on top of that, it's a major conference team, and so far against major conference competition, which have all been ranked up until Syracuse, that you know Jay hasn't really played this bench. So I am not expecting Jay to dig deep into the bench unless this virus continues to render some players unavailable. Totally agree. And I, I know you guys know how big of a, a big of a thing Jay has about like respect and other coaches and Jim Beheim obviously is a hall of fame coach. Jay has a ton of respect for him. So I think that respect factor is going to play into his lineup decisions too. Yeah. But anyway, should we do some awards? Yeah. So look, I don't think we've given one to him yet this week, uh, this year, uh, but the alpha dog arf arf, arf, of, arf. The week, of the week has got to be Colin Gillespie. Yeah, absolutely. Like he took this week personally um, and just like wouldn't ever let games get out ever in a position where it was close. He just dominated, always made every big shot. He was everywhere. He was creating for himself, which is a little bit of a new feature. I think we said earlier in the year that like, oh, Colin's just going to be Colin. I think Colin's actually added some value to his game. He actually tries to cross you up with his dribble, break free, get open, make some moves, put some moves on some guys. That's an element to Colin's game. His craftiness and ability to create space for himself is definitely an improvement in his game off of last year which was an all Big East, Big yeah. East player of the year effort. So uh, we got to give credit to Colin, who's been who's been a rock this entire year so far, but especially this week, he just put the whole team on his back. There was never going to be any question about who was winning these games. So Colin is, in my mind, the runaway alpha dog of the week. Yeah, I mean, leading scorer in each of the three games since we had our last podcast. 13, a little bit low, but then 26 and 23, just really solid. And like you said, decision-making and, you know, the craftiness I attribute to a little bit, Hey, competition's a little bit lower. So you want to experiment, play around a little bit. And he's got so many years of experience. He knows what to expect and kind of has that ability to, to try some stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. Colin gets it. The, uh, the captain gets the, the nod, the alpha dog of the week. As far as the Shaq fit man play of the week, tell me if you've heard this before, but it's going to Brandon <laughs> Slater for me. So, I mean, so. the dude, dude knows what to do here. Yeah. Um, in a weird way, Jermaine Samuels hasn't played as much above the rim this year. And replacing that is Brandon Slater, who just, I, you could pick a couple ones. I'm picking the against St. Joe's fears, you know, the, the Holy war rivalry rivalry, if you will, whatever. He just absolutely dropped the hammer on St. Joe's yesterday, left-handed dunk, just rocked the rim, sent the crowd into what, whatever version that you could call Villanova fans into a frenzy. Um, you know, they, they had a golf clap, if you will. Um, <laughs> but he, he was the only one who got people going yesterday. It was a rim rocking dunk drive from the baseline rose up and just absolutely slammed it home. So to me, that's the Shaq fit man play of the week. Yeah. No disagreement here. We've talked about Slater. Slater's kind of living up to the billing. 
to your point, I would love to see to get a little bit more uh, Samuels above the rim, but but we'll see what this next week brings. Definitely some opportunities for it. And then the uh, pass the fucking ball award of the week, Rob. Where do you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think given how this week played out, given the results and the expectations, I would say I think the award has to go to Novid Twenty One. Just uh, another virus that's coming in that's hampering the team. Um, and I guess the question is, you know, what damage is it going to do to our immune systems and what long-term impact is it going to have on this team? Hopefully nothing and it's short-term in nature. But yeah, player-wise, nah, not a whole lot to pick. Yeah, can't disagree there. I actually, before we jumped on, Rachel was talking about how, what is this the new thing? Last year it was, the COVID that swept through the team a few years ago was broken hand season. Um, you know, Rachel brought up like, is this the new, is this the new thing that rips through the team and then whatever it seems like it so far. So wouldn't call Novid, wouldn't call Novid 21 a narrative. Um, but it's certainly just something that seems to be plaguing us for uh, a week or so here. I love it. Well, I don't love it, but maybe we're going to have to, maybe we're going to have to add somebody who's like a, expert on pandemics i'm sure there's a term for that but i should know it but i don't to our staff as well in addition to john shackleton to help with our hand recoveries an epidemiologist yeah that's the word i was looking for it's early <laughs> like i said <laughs> got a, i got a bed like an hour ago chris Class, come me some slack here um and then i'm gonna give a uh, i'm gonna give a separate award i'm not even sure what the word is oh most exciting game of the week award <laughs> real creative yeah name. yeah most exciting uh, i'm giving to i'm giving to the villanova football team who beat holy cross on friday 21 to 16 at villanova stadium in front of a pretty much a sellout crowd which oh, is that's not, good. A, not a lot of people but it still counts that's great uh, um and advanced to the quarterfinals of the fcs playoffs and they're hosting South Dakota State, a chance at revenge from 2016. They handed us the loss then. Uh, chance at revenge there. Uh, so we'll, we'll have an opportunity to do that. I believe it's on Saturday at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, we have a chance to advance to the, to the final four of the FCS playoffs at home. So you can't ask for much more than that. That's, a, that's, a, that's great for the uh, football team and good to see them doing well. Absolutely. So. Um, cool. Oh, so I guess... Before we move on, a quick listener note as well. We're actually going to be doing two podcasts this week. So we're going to cover on the rest of the podcast, we'll look around the national landscape because a lot of exciting stuff happened there in the past week or so. We'll do definitely an in-depth Syracuse preview. We're actually going to drop another pod later this week after the Syracuse game with our reactions from that because we'll be at the game. So it'll be a lot of fun. We'll talk a little bit about being back at MSG. And then we'll do a much more in-depth Baylor preview as well, too. So if you're listening for the Baylor preview, hold your horses. There's more coming next yeah. week. Relax. Relax. Chill. Show yourself. It's Sunday morning. Come on. Yeah. Just listen to this podcast. It's not going to be long. Get your Syracuse preview, which we'll jump. You want to jump into that? And then uh, let's do let's do a national a little whip around a little whip yeah, around yeah. first. All right. Fun. That's fine. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, yeah, as Rob said, chill out, relax. Chill. All right, guys, take, take it fucking easy. Like it's it, like, it's not a big deal. It's a holiday season. Give everyone a break here. All right. Exactly. All right. Um, national look around exciting, exciting week. So in 
big contrast to what happened with our team over the past 10 days. There was so much happening in the national landscape. Let's start with Gonzaga, who was consensus top team in the country. They're just ripping off big win after big win. Are they ever going to lose? Are they going to lose? Are they going to go 100 and no? Like, it's going to be crazy. And then they lose to Duke, which you're like, okay, it's fine. You know, Duke's a good team. Top five loss. Coach K, yada, yada, yada. No big deal. It's a close game. And then they follow that loss up with a close game against, I don't even remember the team. Tarleton State. Tarleton State. The powerhouse Tarleton State. Yes. Which I did. I did remind you. The head coach of that school is Billy Gillespie who used to be the coach at Kentucky and is now in the process of resurrecting his career. I believe he had some DUI, DWI situation that they fired him. He was underperforming anyway. Um, but but regardless, yeah. so like, there's a legit coach there, but that team was one in six. Like it's uh, not, it's not a good team. It's not a good team. I'm not saying it was a good team. They also played, they, they played decent competition leading up to Gonzaga. I'm not saying I'm excusing Gonzaga. I'm just saying that yeah. worthwhile note to make. Right. So anyway, so Gonzaga pulls it out, whatever, that'd be a blip on the radar. But then they follow that up with another loss just yesterday to a very good Alabama team led in part by the one and only Javon Quinterly. So Gonzaga, a lot of things happening, kind of knocked off its rocker in this past week. I'm sure they'll get it together, but definitely sending some shockwaves through the college basketball landscape. Let's put it this way. If you would have told me that Gonzaga would have two losses at this point, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. I would have, I would have bought off on one loss, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but two losses, I wouldn't have believed you in particular. They lost that game against Alabama in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. So Alabama had to travel cross country. Gonzaga, as Rob just said, was playing a virtual home game. So there's that. So Gonzaga is going to drop. Yeah. In the midst of that, what happens is Duke jumps Purdue because they beat Gonzaga. So everyone's now right. like, whoa, sure. Duke is like Duke. eminent, preeminent favorite. Coach K's last season. It's going to be fucking crazy, blah, 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 whatever. What do they do? They go on the road to an unranked Ohio State. You could argue they should be ranked. Yeah. But they go on the road to an unranked Ohio State and lose. Give up a big lead. Terrible. It's a terrible loss. Like weird and loss. Lose. Yeah. And lose that game. And so, and so that is a, uh, yeah, definitely a bad loss for Duke. Good though, because Xavier beat Ohio state. So a little, little cross Ken Palm benefit net ranking benefit there. Yeah. Um, from the Xavier win to beat Ohio state who then went on to beat Duke. So good for big East, but not as, you know, not good for Duke. Um, but, but so, I mean, the, the big picture is like you've got a lot of these top teams moving, picking up losses that you wouldn't necessarily expect. There's definitely been a bit more movement in the top 25 as I, as I zoom out a little bit than I expected. Um, some teams moving up and down pretty rapidly. Michigan now has three losses. They've been in a little bit of a tailspin. Memphis, I think, picked up two losses this week. BYU, Florida, also a couple losses to unranked teams. So a lot of shifting, both at the very top end as well as we go back a little bit. The good news is the Big East was broadly holding serve in this week. Our ranked teams held their shit together. 
our unranked teams didn't really pick up any big wins. I mean, St. Joe's St. John's got stomped by Kansas, but like, what do you really expect? Um, so all that being said, it's shaping up to be a kind of a, you know, more interesting year than, than maybe I expected it to be. And what I think is really interesting is we'll see exactly how the rankings come out this week, but the top three could be Purdue, UCLA, and Baylor, which means as of this week, we will have played the top one, two, and three teams in the country. Now, hopefully we pick up the win against number three Baylor, which would be awesome on the resume. Yeah. Now, Rob, I'm going to make a claim. You tell me if you disagree. At this moment in time, Purdue is the national championship favorite. I don't know if I'd go national championship favorite. I think they are right there. Based on what I've seen and how this how this has played out, I still like the idea of Gonzaga and all their weapons. I think Purdue and Gonzaga would be an awesome championship game if Villanova's not in it. And I would love to see that. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm just not going all the way to favorite, but they are right up there in they should be one or two. Like there's a lot of weapons on that team that we saw a lot of exciting players that can beat you inside and outside. So it's, it's a pretty cool team. If you're, if you're an AP voter, are you putting Purdue number one on your ballot right now? I think so. Just based on how the AP, like, I think we talked about this a little bit on one of our other podcasts. It's a little bit of a weird system where it's just like default, like, okay, you lose, you fall back. If you held serve, you move up. It just always kind of moves like that. And there's not, there doesn't send, doesn't seem to be a whole lot more critical thought than that with the exception of maybe a few people. So I think the majority of people are just going to say, yep, Purdue held serve. They are undefeated. Therefore they are number one, which yeah, I think that's fine with. I'm but asking like, a, I'm asking a slightly different question. You get to, you get to be a voter. Yeah. So you get to decide on your own. If I was a voter and I got to decide on my own, Purdue is the best team I've seen play this year so far. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree as yeah. well too, just because the fact that Gonzaga picked up two, if Gonzaga had picked up the one loss against Duke, they, I still think there's an argument for them to be the top team, but with the second loss and the bad game against Tarleton State or whomever it was, they've got to drop down. And Purdue obviously has quality wins now. And you let you look at the team and the coaching staff; they get my vote for number one. Yep. Okay. Exciting stuff. I like it, and right. I, I, th- I thought what you said about the Big East was was spot on. It's there. There wasn't a whole lot to write home about. Um, after the great performance in the Gavit games, the Big East has kind of just kind of been what you'd almost expect it to be. Um, but the Gavit games have they are, are what we dividends. thought they were. Yeah, the Gavit games are just going to pay dividends. Um, yeah. But we're not doing anything more beyond that as a conference. That's like, wow, the Big East is the best conference in the country. I, totally. No, that's, not, that's not the case. Like we've had one of the best off seasons relative to expectations. Um, but, but we are still not... Um, we're still not the best conference by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. All right. So we get into some cues. Yeah. Cues, cues so the fighting Bayheims, which. <laughs> so true. We, we, we so might have true. said that in the past when previewing a Syracuse game, but like as a joke, but like now it's actually like, like everyone on the team is Bayheim. It's, like, it's weird. It's really, it's weird. super weird. It's like all of a sudden Jim Bayheim is in the end of his career. Um, and he has just decided that rather than recruit a D1 program, he is just going to 
Basically, he's gonna birth a D1 program. He's gonna birth a D1 program slash he's just gonna be like a you know like a like a travel rec team like it's like sixth grade and just be the and just play the coach's sons. Like obviously Buddy Bayheim had like a a nice run in the tournament last year and got a lot of you know got a lot of accolades in his uh sweet 16 in leading to them to a sweet 16 run, but like come on, like what is going on at Syracuse? Like this is a program that went to a final four, went to a national, I believe a national wait, wait, wait. championship. I, I need to cut you For some yeah. of our listeners who may not know as, as much, obviously Jim Beheim's the coach. Buddy Beheim is Syracuse's leading scorer. His other son, Jimmy Beheim is their third leading scorer. So it's not just Buddy. There are two Beheims who are starting and scoring for, for Syracuse. It's really weird. Okay, yeah, continue. It's, it's weird. I just want to know what's going on with this, with this program because – they they went to a final four. They looked like they were, I mean, they had a few years there. They had like five years there where like you'd be you could book Syracuse into the top 10 but every year. And then all of a sudden they're back to like this bubble situation. Ever since joining the ACC, which I think ruined that Ooh, program. Yeah, absolutely. And and like they've just been like the they've just been like a like a shit show. And they've been kind of like a media punching bag of just like, oh. You, here's a weird team that just does enough to somehow get into the right side of the bubble and then because they play this weird 2-3 zone that is like cultural to their program and they play it pretty well overall and they do weird things and it has weird wrinkles that the opponents that they play in the first couple rounds in March can't figure it out and they wind up in the Sweet 16 even though they weren't ever very good. They just yeah. kind of like weirded people out into the sweet 16 like smoke and mirrors into the sweet 16 yeah and so i I am unsure what the end game is for Bayheim's career because there was a time where he was like gonna leave and there was like a succession plan noted like staying indefinitely and the program is kind of just like really like meandering along I think, yeah, and you, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. There was a really, like, incredibly clear transition plan. Mike Hopkins, now the coach at Washington, was the head coach, was the announced, publicly announced head coach in waiting and was set up to take over as Jim Beheim retired, which was supposed to be several years ago. And then Beheim basically just said, no, I'm, I don't feel like retiring. So Hopkins left. So the succession plan went away. Now, Hopkins is having some struggles out at, at UW, so maybe he comes back. But I think that in particular put a lot of question marks around the program. And you look at the past five years, basically, which kind of coincides with that same timeline, Syracuse really starts to struggle on the recruiting front. Obviously, they had been struggling a little bit with the transition to the ACC, but really goes downhill. They really were struggling to bring in any guys in the top 100. That's why you end up with guys like Jimmy and Buddy Beheim. Like, let's be clear. His sons can obviously play D1 college basketball. They were not top 100 recruits. They were like 200, 300 rated. So there's there's not a lot of significance that they're pulling in. And with that, then, yeah, Syracuse just kind of falls back the middle of the pack. They're seventh, eighth, ninth in the, in the ACC. And yeah, they're, you know, their tricks and their two, three zone gets them to the second weekend. And I think that masks that postseason success masks a lot of the underlying issues. And as a fan of Syracuse, I don't know, I'd be a little bit like, 
all right, cool. We, we, we know we can kind of make, make the second weekend, which is cool, but like we know our team's actually not that good. So I think there are definitely some broader question marks around the Syracuse program. Good thing they made the jump to the ACC because their football program is just like on fire right now. <laughs> I think they're in the college. Oh, no, they're not. They're absolutely terrible as well. So, yeah, yeah it's worked out really well for them. Yeah, it's it's there. It's a weird situation yeah. um, up there. And like I'm laughing while you're saying like they're recruiting and starting to fall off. And I was like, well, not if Jim Bayhot can keep birthing. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> he's got um, he's got he's got to find a new wife, younger wife to uh, have some more kids quickly. So look, an added so there's always like you know there's always like juice to a Syracuse Villanova game. Obviously, long-standing rivalry. Um, even at this point, right? And Bayheim go way back twenty years. Obviously, of playing each other. Um, there's a lot to, you know, the rivalry of Syracuse and Villanova. I love the fact that this game is in Madison Square Garden. Super Rob, cool. Super. Rob alluded to this earlier. We get to be back in attendance at MSG. So the full 40, all of us are, well, I think just me, you, and Rachel, and, and Nicole's going to, um, are going to the game. Uh, so we'll be there live. Rachel, what section? Do you know what section we're sitting in? Yes, I have to actually have the tickets on my phone. It is oh, nice. I, we are on the 100 level. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, they're right. They Big. should be right behind the basket, the hoop. Nice the basket. Like I've never watched a basketball game. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> the goal behind the goal. <laughs> behind the goal. Are they in the end zone? <laughs> uh, section 113 to be section exact. 113. So look, look for us. We'll be in section 113. Um, maybe grab nobody's, a picture. Nobody's with gonna us. look for us. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no one's gonna look for us. But anyway, I'm glad that we're back in MSG. Um, I can't wait to go back. Like it, it's gonna be a little bit of like a biggies tournament thing preview for me. Obviously, we got the St. John's game in a couple in a couple months. But like, man, I am so pumped to be back in you, Madison Square Garden to watch college basketball. What do you think the uh, fan split's going to be because usually, like historically, this would have been a pro Cuse crowd. I still think it is. Um, it's it, it, Syracuse is just a bigger school, um, and so I think it's still going to be a pro Cuse crowd. I don't think that the Villanova, given that it's a Tuesday and it's at nine p.m., yeah, I don't think the Villanova contingent that lives outside of the New York area. Um, comes to this game, so so like I don't think people are traveling up from Philadelphia in in droves to, to come up to this. I expect a I'm going to go with sixty five thirty five mm. Cuse Nova. That's kind of where I think this is going to go. It'll be loud enough for Nova fans if if uh, from Nova fans if Nova obviously gets up and jumps on them and and wins this game. Um, but I don't think – I think anytime Syracuse makes a little bit of a run, you're going to hear the roars kind of coming down um, from, from the rafters there. So Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think even with a, another down Syracuse here, I don't think we'll have the, uh, the fan base to overwhelm them by any means. Uh, so an added wrinkle of this, of, this, of this game this year is the fact of that Cole Swider will be yes. playing. Um, so – uh, just to remind everybody, Cole played for the team for the last several years, um, and he, he transferred. <laughs> you, you may you may have forgotten because it was at times very forgettable. Yeah, um, and he transferred and went to Syracuse, which we all thought was a good move for him. Yeah, 
Um, I have a friend who is a who is a Cuse fan, um, and I got a text that said update dot 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 Cole Swider stinks. <laughs> <laughs> so so clearly there is some frustration building among the Syracuse fan base, but still. I think that Cole is a good fit there. We've talked about this on the podcast before. The fact, I mean, Cole struggles to move laterally defensively. So having him planted in the zone is good for, is good for yeah. him. I do think that Beheim's sons, while decent scorers, are also slower in terms, of, in terms of the zone and not as long and so not as adequate to play in the zone. So what I'm hearing is that Cole's, lack of mobility is actually starting to play a factor because they can't hide him in the zone as much as they would in normal years. That's what my, that's what my friend who is a, who's a cute fan is saying. Um, and then Cole continues to be streaky from behind the three point line, missing a lot of open looks. He said, um, as yeah. the season goes on. So he, he's shooting on the season less than 30% from yeah. three. So, so it hasn't, it hasn't taken off. No. Um, and look, Cole Swider is, going to be a necessary piece for that team if they are going to turn around and make a tournament run which in order to do that they have to start winning games like you can't let's just meander like normal because the acc is actually in a down year outside of dude yeah um the acc is in a down year so so they're not going to benefit from this massive strength of schedule in the acc bullshit that they that they have historically in the last several years so in order for Syracuse to get on the right side of that bubble they're going to have to start winning games um yeah. and in order to do that Cole Swire is going to need to put the ball in the basket um, I mean, this is a team that lost to Colgate. So like, I, I like, like Cole's got to be a part of that equation. Yeah. Yeah. They're let's do, let's do a little, let's do a little preview of, of the actual Syracuse team. So the listeners can get an idea of it. Like Syracuse is in our hot or not question, definitely a not hot team. They have some bad losses on the year. You mentioned the Colgate loss. They also lost to VCU. And then got pretty much stomped on by Auburn just the other day as well, too. So a lot of things that kind of make you say, mm, OK, now they've come back. They had a win against Indiana. I think it was a double OT win, a win against Florida State. Not bad wins by by any means. But there's still a lot of question marks here. Net net, not a very good team. Players to watch. We talked about Cole Swider. I think Cole Swider is a player to watch for a couple reasons, like one, obviously, the Villanova connection and the intrigue there. And the second thing is, yeah, he, he does need to be a pretty capable player for them to be successful. I think he's their third leading scorer, fourth leading scorer, or something like that. So he, he does contribute. And the other guy to know is, is the, the Bayheim brothers. Buddy Bayheim is their leading scorer. He's pretty capable. He showed he can play uh, certainly at a high D1 level. If you contain him, you're probably in pretty good shape. So, I mean, those are, those are the guys that you need to know. There aren't a ton of, like, super exciting players on, on Syracuse right now. I think they had one guy who was like a top 50 recruit or something like that this year as well, but you know, not making a huge difference at this point. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good, that's a good overview. The only thing I would add is that the zone is obviously always the critical thing. Totally. Um, I, I do expect we haven't seen a team this year play a really good zone. I think I want to say one of, uh, was it, Howard, someone went to a zone for a little bit on us and we did actually were weirded out by it. Um, uh, so, so I do think that it might take a little bit of time feeling it out, even though this is an experienced team. Um, not a lot of people play 
a two, three zone regularly. It's usually like a wrinkle that people add to their, yeah to their defense. So I like when we play Syracuse because I actually think that teams will zone us and there's no better test than Syracuse's zone um, in that regard. That being said, look, obviously one of the keys is going to be, okay, who is going to get into the, into the high post um, and receive that pass and distribute from there? Is that going to be more dribbling in? Is that and breaking the defense, the first layer of the defense down to get into the, into the elbow area to make a, to, you know, to make a kick out? Is it going to be a, is it going to be Jermaine in the past when we've played into a zone? I've seen Jermaine kind of go to the high post and kind of pass out from there. So I'm interested to see kind of who plays that role. Um, obviously in a zone situation, one of the benefits of playing a zone is that you're always on the defensive end, always going to have a rebounder right under the basket. So, you know, and a rim protector. So that is definitely something to look out for. We have had rebounding struggles um, as a team, obviously, uh, throughout the season. That's been documented, although a little bit improved uh, over the last uh, week or so. Uh, but still, that is going to be a critical little wrinkle there as well. So I would say that, look, how we handle the zone, I could see us struggling with that early. And then as time goes on, figuring it out. And then once we start to break that zone down and it starts to get small, like it starts to slink in, that's when the three-point shooters are going to get open. Once the three-pointers start falling, you basically blow up the zone. And this could be a runaway game for Villanova, or it could be one of those tight games. I, I'm, I'd be surprised, actually, if this game just kind of like meanders its way to a 10-point Villanova win. Um, if it does, that means it was probably played close for most of the game. And then Villanova just kind of shut them down late. I actually think that this is going to be either a really close tight game, like final minute deciding um, the game, or it's going to be like a blowout. Like I could see us winning by 2025 in this game without question. I like it. I would love that outcome. What do you think? What's your prediction in terms of where we, where we end up? Look, I, between our experience, the fact that we know Cole and look, I, I'm laughing because I'm just like Slater and uh, Slater and, uh, and Samuels and Samuels are just going to just going to tee off on Colt. You, right? you, like, you have to think so. Right. You like you just think. have to think like, why not exploit what, you know, like just, just, just go right at him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jay, and take that. Jay, take Jay in practice is just going to put a little stick there and be like, Hey, just run around this thing as practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to do. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. So, yeah. so, so like, look, I think we exploit that. I do think that, with our experience, we get into the, we, we, we break down the zone. This is not a game that I see us expending so much effort that like we run ragged and get, and get really cold late and then yeah. have a situation where they come back. No, I, I believe this is actually a 20 point Villanova win. I, I, I think we're going to blow them out at MSG. I think our guys are going to be pumped. I think they're, whether they shoot well or not, I, I just think they're just going to just constantly just barrage them. And it's going to be, and it's going to be a, a, a a very early, very early night for Q's fans might be able to catch an early train home. I like it. Yeah. I think this is going to be a convincing win. I think with our, our, the fact that we are so experienced, the fact that Jay has a ton of experience with the zone, I don't think it's going to rattle our guys. And the fact that we're obviously very comfortable shooting the three pointer and creating those opportunities. That's just an easy way to beat the zone. That's how we used to beat the zone back when Syracuse was in the big East. I think we'll do it again this time. And I do not think Syracuse is going to have, 
anywhere near the offensive firepower to kind of keep up with us. So I see this as like a 15 point Nova win and maybe it gets down to 12. They get it a little close at the end, but I feel good about this one. And I think frankly, at this point, our guys treat MSG like the home game. I think we've taken that home court while the fan base may be a little bit skewed towards Syracuse. I think the Nova guys coming in there are just going to feel very comfortable playing at the garden especially our fifth year seniors. They've played so many games there. It's really just the, you know, a little bit Northern version of the Wells Fargo center. So I'm on board, big Villanova win, and that'll get us psyched up for Baylor. I think the good thing is to being at MSG and with a big name, I don't think there's a risk that we're looking past Syracuse to Baylor. No. So I like, I like that. It's going to keep the guys sharp. Yeah. I like that. It's a really good point uh, to finish off with because, yeah, as you said, this is a prime time ESPN, you know, yeah. you know, game against a big name opponent, even if they're having an off year. So these guys are going to be sharp. Plus, they got five days to get ready for Baylor. So there's going to be plenty of time uh, to get ready for that. And just like them, we will do the same. So we are not looking past Syracuse. That's right. We are looking at Syracuse. The only game on the calendar for us right now is Syracuse. <laughs> So that's the end of our preview. We are going to preview Baylor after the Syracuse game. We will give you our recap of what transpired at MSG on Tuesday night, and we will preview Baylor. That'll come to you in the back half of this week. So look out for that podcast. Uh, As a reminder, you can always check us out at the full 40 on Twitter and Instagram. You can also check us out um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and we are using a YouTube channel now. Um, so if you want Very to true. use that, uh, I would recommend going to that because you get the you get the video element, which adds a little a new little wrinkle. I've said the word wrinkle a lot so far on this podcast. It's the official Very, word of this podcast. Wrinkle. It's, like, it's um, so, like Sesame Street. This podcast is brought to you by the word wrinkle. wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so. That's all we got for, for today. So we're, we're going to cut this off early. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.